Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are an Acts 2.42 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. Um, thanks, Jess. You basically preached my sermon this morning, so that was good. Thank you for that. That's great. So let's just pray. We can go home, eh? We're in the middle of a series where we're looking at aspects of the Apostles' Creed. The reason we're doing that is because it is a collection of doctrinal statements that helps us to remember what we believe. Because um, there are lots of things that are happening in our world, and sometimes it's easy to be swayed by an idea. But this is a document that people who love Jesus and follow Jesus have used over thousands of years just to clearly identify this is what we believe. And so we've been working through bits of the Apostles' Creed, and today we're looking at what we're calling Amazing Grace. And I'll tell you where that's from in a moment. Uh, But I was reminded of a story as I was lying in bed last night. I was reminding of something that happened a long time ago. Well, my children were little, Ethan and Caitlin. Ethan's on the front row, not so little anymore. When they were little, they were in the living room, and they were playing with a ball in the house. Can you imagine? A ball in, where is this going to end? A ball in the house. So I could hear them playing with the ball in the house, and so I went into the living room and I said, beloved children, verily I say unto thee, it is not good to be playing with a ball in the house. Please do not play with a ball in the house. And then I went back out of the room. There was silence for a moment, a moment I tell you, And then sounds of a ball being thrown around ensued. And then there was another sound. It was the tinkling of glass. (laughs) Something was broken. So I went back into the room, and they had broken the bulb, the light in the ceiling. They had broken the light. So they were both stood there, not not saying a word, because they knew that they were wrong. They'd been told not to do it. They carried on doing it, and they knew that they were wrong. And now they were waiting for the wrath of dad, which would have been been justified. And then I had an idea. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't think it was a flash of inspiration. I think it probably was something I heard somewhere else, because I'm just not this clever. But I had an idea. And so they're waiting for me to absolutely tell them off. And that is what I really want to do. But I just said, very quietly, go and put your coats on. So they, they looked a bit surprised. They went to the, put their coats on. And then they came back to me and said, we're getting in the car. So we got into the car. I probably should have said a bit more because they probably thought I was just taking them somewhere and, uh, and leaving them for being naughty. Right, this, is, this is your new home. Maybe you'll listen to them. Uh, I took them to McDonald's and I bought them a McFlurry and we sat at the table together And they were so confused, (laughs) so confused. And I said to them, this is what grace is. This is what grace is. You do not deserve to be treated. You don't deserve a nice ice cream. What you deserve is to be told off because you shouldn't have done what you did. But this is what grace is. You're getting something that you don't deserve because your father is kind to you. Now, I was quite proud of that parenting moment. I was, because it's great, isn't it? It sounds amazing. 
My kids do not remember it. <laughs> I asked Ethan this morning. He says, I remember breaking the light. Don't remember anything else. <laughs> so parents, just to encourage you, when you have a great idea and a great moment, just enjoy it because it might just be for you. Yeah, it might not be for, you, for your children. It might just be for you. Amazing grace. We get what we don't deserve. We get what we don't deserve. And we don't get what we do deserve. That is amazing grace. And so the aspect of the, the, aspect of the Apostles' Creed that we're looking at is the line that says forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Why is it worth mentioning forgiveness of sins? Why do we even bother to talk about forgiveness of sins? Is it important? Yes, it is the whole story of the Bible. The whole story of the Bible is God pursuing the people that He loves to bring them back into relationship with Him. And that is where forgiveness of sin comes into it. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You've never heard this before because it wasn't even read this morning. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the things that we do, the Bible calls sin, separates us from God. We deserve the punishment for that. We deserve the punishment for that. This is our story in the Garden of Eden when humans decided to go their own way. This is our story. We are separated from Him because of the things that we do. And Romans chapter 5, I'm just going to read you a little section of Romans 5. It's not on the screen. Romans 5, at the beginning it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How amazing is that? It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that, that we should have. And there isn't anyone who could truly say, well, I've never really done anything wrong. <laughs> Can you imagine? I've never done anything wrong. What we tend to say is, I've never really done anything that bad. That's what we say. Because we acknowledge that we've done things that are wrong. And we know that it would be daft to say, I've never done anything that's wrong. And so what we say to make ourselves feel be better, it might just be me, just take it. We say, I've never done anything that bad. Not done anything that bad. Because what we're doing is we're comparing ourselves with other people who have done things that are worse, rather than with God, the standards that He has for us, and His holiness. We are all sinners. Little sin, big sin, we are all sinners. Nobody has ever said, I'm a little bit pregnant. I'm just a little bit pregnant. I'm not quite pregnant. I'm a little. You're either pregnant or you aren't. We are sinners or we're not. And we are sinners. That's what the Bible says. We are sinners. And this would be a terrible place to end this sermon. <laughs> it would be terrible. But Jesus stepped in. The Bible says in John 3.16, the most well-known verse, I imagine, God loved us so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have eternal life. 
1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And so even though we are in a state, were in a state where we were completely separated from him, he stepped in to take the burden of our sin on himself. It is an incredible thing. If you stop to meditate and to think about this, it is an incredible thing. I want you to learn a word with me today. On the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, he said this word, to telestai, to telestai. I want you to learn this word because I think it's a word that sometimes we need to remind ourselves of. And at this, this whole little section is, I'm just repeating stuff Jess has said, so sorry Jess. This whole little section is exactly what Jess was talking about this morning. To tell us die. It means this. It is finished. It is finished. The sin, on, on, the sin of the world on his shoulders, all the things you have done wrong, forgiven, it is finished. And why do we need to remember that word? Because sometimes those things come back in our minds. And even though we've been in a place where we asked God to forgive us and we know that He has forgiven us, there may be moments later on when we're reminded of what we've done, where we're reminded of what we, we, we said or what we did, and we start to feel guilty again. And in that moment, we can say, to tell us die. It is finished. It was finished on the cross. So when you're reminded of that stuff, Say, to tell us die. Say it out loud in the supermarket. It'd be great. To tell us die. It is finished. I've already confessed to you before in a, in a sermon at some point that I will say things out loud when, when I really need to break my thinking. I will say stop or no or enough out loud. And uh, so far, I've not been arrested or taken to a hospital for special people. So I encourage you. It is okay to do that. To tell us that might be a bit too far. You might have to explain. And who knows what will happen? It is finished. You need to remind yourself that it is finished. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's you and I. We have the forgiveness of sins. Now, I know Jeremy loves a map. And we've not had a map for a while. And this is the best map, really. So let's have this. It's, it's the biggest map we've got, Jeremy. <laughs> now, the reason I'm showing you this globe, because this blew my mind when I, when, I, when I learned this as a teenager. It blew my mind. Uh, we have two poles, hey, south and north. The North Pole is, uh, is at the top, and the South Pole is at the bottom. Everybody clear with me so far? Okay. If you started at the North Pole, you can only go in one direction. You can only go south, because you're, you're, you're the northest of north if you start to the North Pole. So you can only go south. But when you get all the way, after a very long journey, when you get all the way to the South Pole, you can only go in one direction. You can only go north from that point. So you can travel from south to north, and then you have to go south. You can travel from north to south, and then you have to go north. I know, you didn't come for a geography lesson. However, 
If we went the other way, around the earth, around the equator, if you traveled east around the equator, you'll go all the way around the earth, and when you get back to where you started, you are still traveling east, and then you'll carry on traveling east. East never meets west. You'll continue to travel east. There isn't a point where you get to on the equator, right, now I'm going to start traveling west, unless you turn around and go the opposite direction. East will continue to be east all the way around. Why is that important, Nick? Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It never meets. That's how far God has taken your sin from you. The things that you have done, that you have said sorry for, that you have offered to him, that is how far away he has taken those things from you. They will never meet again. Never meet again. I heard a story once of a, a lady who, in her church, was known to spend some time in prayer and hear what God had to say. And let me just say, this needs to be all of us, yeah? It, this is not just special for some people. Every one of us can pray and spend time listening to what God has to say. A new vicar had come to the, to the church, and they told him about this lady. She, she prays, and she hears what God has to say. And he was a little bit skeptical, which is interesting because he was a vicar. But anyway, he comes in. And he says to this lady, so you pray and you hear what God has to say. She says, yes. He said, well, I feel like I want to give you a little test. <laughs> he said, what I want you to do is I want you to ask God what I did in college that I was ashamed of. I did something in college that was not good. And I said sorry for it, but I want you to ask God what that was. No one else knows about it. That's why I'm asking you. No one else knows what I did. But I want you to ask God what it was that I did. And then tell me. So she said, so you did something in college. You were sorry for it. No one else knows. You want me to ask what that was? He said, yeah. So she went away. She prayed. She came back. He said, did you ask God what I did? She said, yes. He said, what did, what did God say? She said, he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. Now, all we're doing here is we're talking about the fact that when we come to God and we say, God, I am sorry for the things that I have done. He forgives us and he removes that from us. He removes it from us. So when it comes up again in our memory, when it comes up again in our heart, it's not God trying to give you a guilt trip. He has removed it from you. And that is why we need to say, it is finished. It is finished. He has taken our transgressions from us, our sin from us. But there are two sides to a coin. Two sides to a coin. Forgiveness for us should flow to forgiveness for others. And here's the, here's the transition. Forgiveness to us should flow to forgiveness for others. Let me read you a parable. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. I'm going to stop as we're going through it, uh, just to point some things out. Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, and this is just Peter being Peter. Yeah, Peter is doing a Peter right here. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Peter is saying this and he feels incredibly generous by saying up to seven times. By saying up to seven times, the number seven in Jewish culture is quite an important number. And saying up to seven times is like saying this is, this is more than anyone else because the rabbis of the day would say you should forgive people three times. And Peter is, Peter is pushing the boat out. He's like up to seven times because I'm so good. I, I think I'll forgive people up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some versions say seven times 70. And Jesus, in saying that, says, you don't stop. He says, you, that's what he means. He's not saying you carry a little notepad around, and when you get to 490, which is seven times 70, quick maths, that's when you stop. The, the phrase seven times 70 is Jesus saying, we don't, we don't stop forgiving. Therefore, he tells him a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the, pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let it go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him and said exactly what he said. Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's tough words. But the, 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 numbers, that, the numbers there, somebody worked it out, the numbers there uh, suggest that the, the amount the servant was owed versus the amount that the servant originally owed was 600,000 times. Yeah, so what he owed was 600,000 times more than what he went after his fellow servant for to throw into prison. 600,000 times more. The reason Jesus told this parable is to remind us that we need to see our lives in the light of what we have been forgiven for and of what we have been forgiven from and of what we have been rescued from and the grace that has been shown to us and that we need to see everything in our lives in the light of that. Someone once said, we want grace for ourselves, but justice for everyone else. And I, I relate. I totally relate to that. I have to check myself. Grace for me, justice for everyone else. But actually, forgiveness for us from God should flow to forgiveness for others. Um, you know, I like to do this. I read something that really challenged me. And so I'm going, I'm going to share it because I don't see why I should have to carry these things by myself. 
David Guzik, who's a, a commentator, he says this, no man can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. No man can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. This is, there is an onus on us to not just be the forgiven, but also to be forgivers. In fact, we prayed it together this morning. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, there is a line in there that says, forgive us as we forgive others. That's, those are Jesus' words, and he taught us to pray that. And so, I mean, it's quite serious. Forgive others as we receive your forgiveness. One of my favorite people talking about forgiveness is a, a lady you definitely will have heard of called Corrie ten Boom, who um, wrote an incredible book, The Hiding Place. I think they made it into film as well. Um, was in a prison of war camp, German prison of war camp, her sister, with her sister. Her sister died there. She eventually was released. Um, and, and she would travel around talking about the forgiveness that Jesus has. And she would preach the gospel, and she would tell some of her story, and then she would talk about forgiveness, and she would invite people to, to come and respond to Jesus. And she'd use a phrase a lot. She would say that, you know, when Jesus forgives us our sin, it's like he takes our sin and he throws it into the bottom of the ocean where no one can get to, and he puts a sign up that says, no fishing. And that was one of the things that she would say. And she tells a story that she was in a room once where she was speaking. And at the end, she said when she would, she would travel around bits of Germany doing this, and she would talk about the forgiveness, she would talk about responding to Jesus, and she said, generally, people would just be quiet. She would finish, she would pray, and people would quietly get up and leave. Um, maybe it was a cultural thing, and maybe they were just, it was just the, the, the kind of the, the response to all of the horrors that were happening at the time. And um, there was this one, this one moment where... People were leaving, and one guy came to the front. And as he was walking to the front, she recognized him as one of the guards in the prison camp where she was. And she recognized him. And he walked to her, to the front. And he said to her sister, well, he said Fraulein, but that's right, isn't it? He said, isn't it great that God takes our sin and throws them into the bottom of the sea? He said, I've done terrible things, but I'm so pleased that God has forgiven me. And then he stuck his hand out and he said, will you forgive me? He didn't know who she was. He said, will you forgive me? But he knew that she'd been in a prison camp. But she recognized him as one of the guards that was in her prison camp. And she had all of these flashbacks. And in her heart, she said, no, I, I don't want to forgive you. This is no. But then, and, and you can imagine, because in a situation like that, I can imagine all of this stuff happens inside you, but it happens so quickly. And she, she said this prayer, she said, Jesus, I don't want to do this, but I know that I have to do this because this is what you want for me to do. And so I don't want to forgive him, but I need you to help me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my hand out, but you need to help me. So she sticks her hand out to shake his hand. And she said as she stuck her hand out, she had this sensation of warmth going from her shoulder all the way down to her arm. And that when they, when they eventually, when she got to the point where they shook hands, she said she just had this sense of complete freedom and complete forgiveness flowing through her to this man. What an incredible story. 
She also tells a story, and this has personally helped me so many times. She also tells a story that later on she, she would wake up in the middle of the night and remember things that, that people had done, friends had done to her. And she, she was really annoyed. She's like, God, I prayed and I said, I forgive them. I've confessed that they, they hurt me. That's okay. And I've said I forgive them. But these things keep coming up in my head. I don't know what to do with it. She went to see her pastor. And uh, he smiled and he pointed to the bell tower. We have a picture of that. He said, that bell at the top of the church, he says it rings. And the reason it rings is because someone at the bottom is pulling the rope. He says, when we're thinking about the things that have been done to us, it's like we're pulling on that rope. And the bell is just loud. The, the offense is loud. The bell is loud. We're pulling on the rope thinking about it. He says, forgiveness, and this is what I really want to help you with this morning. Forgiveness is a choice. He says, we let go of the rope. We choose to forgive. We definitely don't wait for a feeling to happen before we forgive. We can't do that because it may never come. But it's a choice. And he said to her, what we do is we let go of the rope. We choose to forgive. The thing is, even when we let go of the rope, the bell is still going to carry on ringing for a bit because there's still some momentum. But slowly, it will stop ringing. It will get quieter and quieter, and then it will stop. And so she, she went back home that night, and she lay in her bed, and she said, I choose to let go of the rope. I choose to let go of the rope. I choose to forgive these people. And I don't want there to be the sound of a bell in my life anymore. I choose to let go of the rope. And she said, eventually, she saw that happen in her own life where sometimes she would think about it and she would give it back to God every time. And eventually, she just stopped thinking about it totally because she had made a decision. She had made a decision to forgive. Let me pull this together for us. Forgiveness is a gift we receive. It is something that God gives to us. And we have to respond to it. Otherwise, it's just a gift that's lying there. So we have to embrace it. We have to say, Jesus, I thank you that you have forgiven me. And we have to receive that gift. It is also, and I couldn't decide how to do this. So I'm going to give you both of them. It's also a gift that we give. But it may be, you may think, this thing that's happened, it's, I don't really want to give a gift. So let me help you with this. Forgiveness starts with a decision and not a feeling. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then Paul just helps us to remember why. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So forgiveness is a gift we receive. It starts with a decision, not a feeling. And my final thing for us this morning is we must grow in responsiveness. We must grow in responsiveness. So what do I mean by that? I mean that we develop this, this ability to quickly say sorry. Not just to people around us, particularly to God. To quickly say sorry. When we know we've stepped out of line. When we know we've said or done or thought something that we shouldn't. We quickly respond. We say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. 
because what we're doing there is we're keeping short accounts. We're making sure that nothing grows and develops into a barrier between us because that's not what we want. And you know that that's what happens in human relationships when someone does something, the other person is offended, but there isn't that moment of reconciliation. There isn't that moment of asking for forgiveness and then what happens? Something grows between those people. That's not what we want. We want to be people who quickly respond to Jesus. 1 John um, verse 1, 8 to 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Two questions to close with. How do we forgive others? Is it a matter of discipline or is it the Holy Spirit working in us? And the answer is yes. Yes. How can we live in a way where we're sinning less and receiving God's forgiveness more? Is it a matter of discipline or is it the power of the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. It starts with a decision. And it starts with every earthly human action that we can do. But we also need the power of the Spirit. We had an incredible Sunday last week when Lisa talked about the Holy Spirit and the power that He brings to us. And that is what we engage with. We say, Jesus, this is what I know I should do, and I need to do it, and I need you to help me do it. And so what I thought would be good for us to do this morning is, uh, that's why worship is a bit shorter than normal, is I'd like us to, re- to respond at the, end of this, at the end of this message by breaking bread together. So in a moment, we're going we're gonna to take communion, and I want us to think about what Jesus has done for us. But I also want us to expect that the Holy Spirit will maybe bring something to mind, or some situation to mind, or a person to mind, that we need to forgive. And it may just start today with a decision that you make, and then you work out the details of that later, but it has to start with a decision. And it has to start with a recognition that God has done so much for us. So much for us. So just bow your heads with me for a moment. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Please keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.